As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Hey there, you're listening to Service and Practice, where we dive into the practical elements of service in the Orthodox Church in the 21st century. Every other week, you'll hear from a guest that has a particular passion or talent within service. I'm your host, Karen, and thanks for joining. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Service and Practice. I'm happy to be here today with Daniel Bayan, and we're going to be chatting about seminary and how it can enrich our service. Daniel is currently a part of St. Mary and St. Antonio's Coptic Orthodox Church in Queens, New York, and he works as a chaplain in a hospital in Brooklyn. Hey, Daniel, it's really great to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks, Karen. My pleasure. And congrats on graduating last May from St. Vlad's. Thank you. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was pretty crazy in the midst of COVID, but, you know, got through it and went home halfway through the semester, finished out, and then, uh, you know, just graduated and still feels kind of surreal, even with all this time in between, but, you know, glory to God for all things. Amen. And I'm excited to be talking about seminary education today with you. And on the podcast, there have been previous episodes about the importance of a good foundation for being a servant. And sometimes this may come in the form of a preparatory program for new servants. But learning in service is a lifelong journey. And one way to build upon this foundational knowledge of orthodoxy is seminary. And I think that it's something that that many young Orthodox Christians don't know a lot about. Yeah. And, you know, it's really funny that you talk about having that foundation. I'm a person who didn't actually go through something like a pre-servants course. So for me, seminary was exactly what you're talking about. It was this attempt to try to ground myself more in orthodoxy, um, in, in the scriptures and then in the fathers and then how that all comes together, you know, whether that's liturgy, um, whether that's kind of what we think of as service. It just, that was the way for me to grow closer to God and, and to grow closer to his people. Yeah, that's awesome. We're going to talk a little bit more about your journey. Um, but first, I, I'd like to share my first encounter with, with seminary because it kind of demonstrates how as I said, not a lot of young people know what seminary is really about. When I was in high school, the book, The Life of uh, Repentance and Purity by His Holiness Pope Shenouda III um, was released. Um, it, it had just been translated and uh, SVS Press had you know, put out this new translation. And there was the, I believe it was the book release or book launch, and it was taking place at St. Vlad's on a Saturday morning. And one of the servants from my church uh, asked if I would be interested to go, as well as a few other um, a few other young girls that were also in high school, and um, we ended up all going that Saturday morning. And it was my first time to like encounter the concept of seminary. It was my first time, you know, being on campus, and um, it was just very different from what I expected. It, you know, Saint Vladimir's, as you can say, as you can attest to, is a very beautiful campus. It was very peaceful being there, and then you know, actually. Uh, attending the the book release that was it was a very academic environment and I was like wow this was just I didn't know that this existed um, and then you know a- after the event ended I had a tour with the, the people that I came with and we got to see the ch- one of the chapels we got to see some of the the different areas within the campus and it was just very like eye-opening and 
you know, an exposure to something that I, I'd never seen this side of orthodoxy before. That's really funny that that was maybe your first experience with the seminary. I myself had been following the news from the seminary for quite some time. And I actually, I didn't attend the book launch, but I do remember that I saw some videos and stuff online, especially, you know, they had a little news article about it on their website. And I remember watching that thing. Oh gosh, I just, I wish I could go. I wish I could be there. Um, Maybe because like you, I grew up not really ever knowing about seminary or not ever hearing about seminary. Um, you know, historically, I think we always talk in the Coptic Church about how historically we were this place of education. There's this huge school in Alexandria, but at least the impression that I had was that this was something in the past. It wasn't something that was still current. And then later in high school, my first exposure to the seminary came about because I had begun listening to podcasts from Ancient Faith Radio. I wanted to kind of connect more with my faith. And they mentioned this place, St. Vladimir Seminary. You know, they would mention the name Father Alexander Schmemann, and they were vaguely connected for me in my head, but I didn't really know much about it. And it wasn't until several years later when I was in college and I got connected with what's called Orthodox Christian Fellowship, or OCF. Um, a friend of mine, her dad taught at seminary at St. Vladimir's, and then suddenly all of these things that I had heard became a bit more concrete. And, you know, everybody in, at OCF, they really encouraged me to apply to seminary. It was, it was a lot of fun, actually. It, it was such a great support network for me. And then I got to seminary. And like you said, it's, it's such a peaceful place. And it's also, you know, historically, St. Vladimir's used to be in the middle of the woods. In its early founding, the campus actually used to be a hunting lodge. And then now, you know, it's in the middle of this kind of suburban development in Crestwood, New York. And so you're driving through this neighborhood and you just turn turn, turn left and you cross onto this bridge. And suddenly here I was. And I actually um, cried a tiny bit because it was like, wow, all of these struggles are suddenly worth it almost. You know, I, like I said, I'd been disconnected from my faith for a while in, in the beginning of college. And then I had reconnected with it. So coming onto campus, it was such a beautiful and comforting moment. Um, my desire to grow closer to God was was echoed by others there. Wow, I had no idea that your your first you know your first steps on the campus were so moving for you. Um, and I'm interested to know your journey through seminary. You mentioned feeling disconnected from your faith earlier on, and I'd like to know how you decide made the decision to go to seminary and what it looked like once you actually got there. Yeah, like you said, I'd been disconnected from my faith for a little bit. And in the course of going through some of these classes, I realized that I needed to fulfill some more gen ed requirements. And in so doing, I realized that I could take some classes that were religious studies courses that also could count for these gen eds and, and they could kind of double dip that way. And I took the first one that I took was basically a New Testament course. And that was so different from anything I'd ever experienced because the way it worked was, you know, we had it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we get into class, we go through the first lecture, it's pretty good. And he says, on Thursday, I'd like you to read Matthew. Okay, that's a lot of reading, but I got through it. And then on Tuesday, we read through Mark. And then Thursday, Luke. And then, you know, the next Tuesday, Acts. And we just, we went through almost all of the New Testament that way. And then I took another course that was very similar, more of the Old Testament. That was called Bible as Literature. And I just, I loved those classes. I loved the way that we approached things because suddenly we're taking a much more holistic approach to all of these texts that we were reading. And it was just, I had never really experienced something like that. 
where we were taking uh, both a critical look, but also reading through these texts. And for me, as I was going through these classes, I just, I could tell that I was being changed a little bit, but I was also a little tired of having to write everything in this kind of, for lack of a better term, this disconnected way. I was tired of pretending like these texts weren't changing my life. So I kind of asked around, like, where's a place that I can do that? Where's the place that I can experience that more? And the answer basically came back to a seminary. And at least for me, it was a great experience. You know, I spent three years there. I did what's called a Master's of Divinity. So an MDiv is usually what you'll hear. And that's a combination of academic work and then also um, some pastoral work. So for example, I did an internship in uh, one of the Coptic parishes in New Jersey. Um, that's St. Antonius and St. Mina in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And I did that with Father Athanasius Farag. Um, but then also I was really able, and this is something that was really cool. I was able to take a prison ministry class and that was based along chaplaincy lines. And that's kind of what opened the door. Like you said, I work as a chaplain now at one of the VA hospitals in Brooklyn. And so that's what actually opened the door for that. So for me, it was that combination of being in seminary was this, was this combination of prayer life in the chapel, academic work, you know, I was able to write a thesis and go through that. And then also this um, vocational aspect that has led for me at least to chaplaincy. I think it's pretty unique that you had this journey three years doing the MDiv that you got the the pastoral and the academic experience like you were saying. Um, and the prison ministry class seems really, really cool. I had no idea that that even existed in, until you, you mentioned it. Um, and how did that prepare you for your current role as a chaplain now? And the prison ministry class, that was pretty awesome. It's one of my favorite classes. Um, we would go every Tuesday afternoon and we would go to a local prison and it's, it was the same prison. I should, I should be clear about that. So we would go to the same prison and we would lead a Bible study. And it was a little different maybe than how most people are used to experiencing a Bible study because it wasn't so much of here's a lecture and then we're going to kind of preach this to you. It was using the text almost as a springboard into a person's inner life. So we might read a passage about, for example, King David there's one that I remember, you know, reflecting on Bathsheba, or we would read some passages in maybe one of the gospels or from something in the New Testament as well. And we would say, is there a way that you can connect to what's going on in the passage and not just connect in terms of content, but in terms of the feeling. And the idea there is to go into your own personal life and relate that way. And so for me, at least, that's how it's ended up working with chaplaincy. You know, in chaplaincy, yes, you need to have an MDiv as part of the process, but you also are trying to connect with a patient on t in the terms of their emotional connection to whether it's something in the past or maybe even their hospitalization in the, in the present. And part of the idea there is, you know, you and I, Karen, for example, have led different lives with different content. And yet we're both human beings and we've both lived through our own lives. We've gone through a range of emotions. So maybe you're telling me a story about a time where you felt lonely because of X, Y, Z reasons. And maybe I haven't gone through that same situation, but I have felt lonely. And I can say, wow, when I was lonely, you know, I felt this way. How is it for you? And so that's kind of some of what I try to do as a chaplain now. Thank you for sharing that story and, and how it's led you in your journey as a chaplain. And I, I pray that, you know, God blesses your, your journey as you continue. Amen. So can you tell us a little bit about the different types of seminary and different factors, whether it's the type of institution or the focus of the program? Yeah, that's a really great question. There are, like you said, different types of seminaries, and that kind of goes with 
not just different people, but different life circumstances. The first thing that I think that comes to mind for most people is going to be whether a seminary model is going to be done online, in person, or some sort of hybrid. Um, we have several online seminaries, and those are increasing in popularity. The really nice thing about that is there's a lot of flexibility. And of course, because it's online, you can do it from your own home, and you might even be able to do it while you're still working. I think two that might be really interested to people within the Coptic Orthodox Church, at least, would be ACTS, which is in California. And then there's another one in Sydney, St. Cyril. Um, and both of those are also open, I should say, to other students of any faith tradition. Um, there is a difference between a seminary and what's called a school of divinity. The really only major difference is that a seminary is traditionally connected with one faith tradition. Um, so, for example, the school that I went to, St. Vladimir's, is connected with Eastern Orthodox, and then there's a large number of Oriental Orthodox. But I also had some Roman Catholic and Anglican classmates. And you, have, you would have the same at Acts or at St. Cyril's. Back to your question. So you have online, you have an online model, something like Acts or St. Cyril, where you can conduct classes online. The classes would be done via Zoom, and you might write your papers and send them in. Then there's something like St. Vladimir's. Almost everyone was residential at St. Vladimir's. And there's an idea there that we want to experience, we want to go through this experience as a community, and we want to go through it together. It is not good for man to live alone. And so the idea there is we're all going to live on campus. We're all going to pray together. We're all going to learn together. In North America, we have a few residential seminaries. I went to St. Vladimir's in New York, just outside of New York City. There's also St. Tikhon's in eastern Pennsylvania, Holy Cross in Boston. And then maybe the last few things to think about is whether it's going to be full-time or part-time. Um, so as far as I'm aware, arrangements can be made at all of the places that I've mentioned where you can do it part-time. For me, I chose to do it full-time because like I said, I just I had that opportunity to go right after college. It was about being fully present for me. And I think for other people, there's other life cir circumstances and situations that you, they need to take into account. Yeah, those are a lot of different factors to keep in mind. Um, so th thank you for sharing your insight on that. I'm interested in the fact that you were saying that most of your classmates were residential at St. Vlad's and you mentioned that the community was a really big piece of um, your experience at seminary. Can you talk a little bit about what the community life was like outside of, you know, the regular coursework? Yeah, I think when people conceive of a seminary, they think of it as just a monastery. And depending on the seminary you go to, there might be some truth to that. Actually, St. Tikhon's out in eastern Pennsylvania is connected with St. T There's St. Tikhon's Seminary, which is right across the street. It's a it's you know just a two-lane street there. Is is connected with St. Tikhon's Monastery. And there's a really beautiful relationship that they have between the seminary and the monastery where the the monks and the students can kind of in a way form each other. And for us at Vlad's, um, it was really important to have that community life because in some ways, seminary can be really challenging. You know, for example, if you're doing your internship, you might be going out into your parish and dealing with some really difficult situations out in the parish. And then you can come back in with your classmates. And they help you process through that. At the same time, you might have a really difficult class. And just as you would in, in maybe in college or in a graduate, another graduate school, you would be working on those papers or those studying for an exam late into the night with your study group of your, your friends and your classmates. But then there's also a lot more lighthearted stuff that goes on. So for example, we tried to have a social event at least, you know, roughly every month. 
So we would have Super Bowl parties. We'll have chili cook-offs. You know, we would watch movies together. It's just a time of fellowship and being together. And, you know, I've moved around in a lot of different states growing up. Um, I went to college. You know, I, I went to a graduate school now. The relationships from St. Vladimir's really seem to be foundational. And those have lasted a lot longer. And they're a lot more deep than many other friendships that I had. Um, there, there are friendships that I've had for a longer time that didn't end up going so deeply because in seminary, you really kind of are digging deep into your own emotional and spiritual life. All of that end up, ends up becoming out in the open. Some, and a piece of advice that was given to me was when you go to seminary, seminary will bring up things in yourself that you need to work on. And it does that for everyone on campus. You know, and, and there are parents with children, there are single students like myself, it becomes a little microcosm of just regular society. That's why it was so important for me because my faith, we're able to practice it in a very kind of small lab setting almost on campus. And then you expand from the campus to, you know, to your parish, wherever you're interning. And then from the parish, of course, like St. John Chrysostom says, out into the world. I think it's so interesting uh, what you said about how seminary is an experience that will bring out things from within you that you may need to work on. And I think that with the mindset of being a servant, any any experience that's going to do that, that's going to reveal to you aspects of your inner life that you need to work on are so important because as servants, if we're not reflecting and if we're not working on our spiritual lives, we're not going to be able to serve you know, outwardly as effectively. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's sad to say, but there are classmates that I had who maybe didn't try to engage in the community the same way. And I think, at least for me, you know, I can't speak about them and their situation. I don't know that. But for me, it always felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity, you know, because there's not that many of us and we're on this campus and we really have an opportunity to be so close with each other. There's so many friends that I have, whether they're reflecting on their work or maybe if they're still in college, they're reflecting on their college experience. And maybe even if they're younger, where they feel this disconnect from people. And they say, oh, I really wish that we were closer. Oh, I really wish that we could engage with our faith. Oh, I really wish whatever it is. And for me, it was like, hey, guys, seminary is this opportunity that we have to do that. Let's really seize on that. Yeah, that makes sense. Something that you said earlier I want to go back to is that people may often have this idea that seminary is all serious or identifying it as you know, something like a monastery, um, whereas the environment might be quite different. And that's one misconception about seminary. And I think another misconception that we see a lot, especially within the Coptic Orthodox Church, is that, you know, individuals who go to seminary usually do so and then are are doing so to become a priest. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the misconception kind of comes about because in almost every other uh, Orthodox jurisdiction that I'm aware of, they require their clergy to gain a theological, a formal theological education. And for other faith traditions, seminary is a requirement to the priesthood. And that's just a, that's a different kind of approach that we have. Um, the idea being that you're sort of formed in every aspect. You need to be educated theologically, but then you also need to have, as you were mentioning earlier, your spiritual life needs to be growing in connection with that. You need to be in tandem. I think for me, um, when you ask about like what are misconceptions that we might have, the experience that I've had is that many people see my uh, journey into seminary as this 
I guess it sounds a little strange to say, but maybe people see it as almost becoming a human encyclopedia, you know, knowing the answer to any sort of theological or patristic related question. Or I was reading this, you know, this Bible passage and this thing confused me. Mr. Seminarian, what's the answer? And I don't always have those answers. In fact, I rarely do. Um, what I do have, I think what seminary did give me is really this different approach. It's, it's not necessarily knowing what to think, but it's almost knowing how to think, you know, knowing how to access resources um, and knowing how to draw on those resources. And sometimes when I'm talking with people, I can say, oh, you can find it online and I'll give, you know, the website. And then they'll say, I, ha I had no clue that that thing has been around. Is it a new website? And I'll say, no, if you look at the website, you can tell that it's a pretty old website. Um, I just had this conversation with someone about uh, a website called newadvent.org. And if you ever go to newadvent.org slash fathers, there's a ton of patristic texts, you know, and, and I think that there's this idea that seminary is uh, all work and no play. Um, and there's some truth to that. You know, there is a lot of work that goes on. But like I was saying earlier, it's not that there's no play. You know, we on campus, we have all these different societies, as we call them. Um, and they're usually named after different saints, kind of like in Sunday school often is named after a different a different classroom might be named after a different saint. The idea here was that each society is going to take on kind of an attribute or an activity of that saint. So I was involved, for example, in the St. Demetrius Society. So, you know, St. Demetrius Society, we would play flag football. We would gather on Monday nights and play basketball. You know, we just have a lot of fun. Or we might play board games and stuff. So th there's an interaction between um, time you know, just in sports time on the field and time off the field, you have time in the chapel or time in the classroom, and then you need some time to kind of debrief and just some time to, to break from that and play a lot of ping pong. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say about that is, you know, kind of like you alluded to, seminaries do educate priests, um, but they also educate lay leaders. So some of my classmates, for example, are iconographers. Uh, one is a choir director out in Minneapolis. Um, some are teachers, both in Orthodox schools and, you know, in just regular run-of-the-mill schools. Um, some are pursuing higher education. And then, you know, I myself, as well as actually a few other of my classmates, we decided to go further into chaplaincy. So I think that um, the theme for me that connects all of those positions is that they're done by Christians. You know, it's like my role doesn't necessarily, or my, my job, I should say, doesn't necessarily exist within or operate within the church. But, you know, because I went to seminary, I'm able to pursue that vocation, to, to perform that job formed by seminary and formed by that experience. Well, thank you for dispelling some of those misconceptions. Like I kind of alluded to earlier when I talked about my first exposure to seminary, there was this realization of, you know, resources or of this whole other microcosm that exists that I, I wasn't aware of. And I also think that it's interesting when you talked about, you know, the misconception of all work and no play. It seems like you had a lot of fun <laughs> in between your classes and, and writing your thesis. <laughs> um, and do you have any funny stories or, or anything that you, you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I mean, seminary is such a silly time in some ways. I think because it's so serious sometimes, the silliness just ends up kind of going through the roof. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I was in class, and it's probably not good to say this, but I was, I was pretty bored, and I'm just staring out the window, and I just hear this noise, you know, coming from up the hill, and before I know it, uh, one of my classmates, Father Christopher, is sledding down the hill, and uh, he's, you know, he was in his cassock, because he was ordained by this point, but he, he sleds down the hill, he sleds all the way down, 
to the to the mail office. He gets his mail, and then from there he sleds down to um, to the chapel. And you know, of course, he transitioned out because he was serving vespers that night. Um, and you know, he he took some time to decompress after that, about like half an hour or so. But it's such a funny moment, just looking out the window and just all of a sudden this noise and this body comes hurtling down, you know. And and I remember I had another classmate who brought a his facsimile edition of the original King James Bible because we had a New Testament exam where we were writing essays and we were allowed to um, we were allowed to bring a Bible so that we could cite verses. And he brings out this 15 pounder from his backpack and just slams it down on the desk and opens up. And seminary is such a silly time, I think, but it's a blessed silliness. Yeah, that, that does sound like it was a lot of fun and, and speaks to the idea of having the, the community and those lasting relationships, even when you were finished with seminary. So on the flip side, what are some of the challenges that you faced in seminary? Sure, I think for me, maybe personally, at least the biggest challenge that I faced was just the unfamiliarity um, of seminary within our kind of modern Coptic culture. You know, like I was saying, historically, the seminaries existed. And then for some period of time, I guess they disappeared. But under Pope Kirillus, St. Habib Gerigas, under Pope Shenouda, the seminaries actually were revived. And it's this really interesting question to me because, you know, sometimes I'll see these photos of Pope Shenouda with the seminarians and they're all in their cassocks and they're all having a great old time. And then sometimes I would show up at a church in my cassock and it was just this really confusing moment for everyone. Who is this person? Because we were really only familiar with priests. And so I think that there is there was a challenge for me of how do I connect with people when all of a sudden I'm, I go from being just this random youth that shows up at church sometimes. Now I'm this person who is very visible and very kind of apparent to people. Um, so that, that, was, that was one aspect. It was, it was tough sometimes within our church community. On campus, a, a bit of a difficulty would have been the academic rigor. Um, so I, I wrote a thesis, and it, you know, it was about 70 pages or so. And, you know, I, in my head, going into that semester when I wrote it, in my head, it was very, it, would, it was kind of easy because, you know, I've written about 70 pages in, in a semester before, and it's, it's not a big deal. But those were separate papers, you know, um, writing a thesis, one giant chunk, that was really new for me. And that was really basically the first time that I kind of had to develop this discipline that we so often see in the spiritual life of the church. Um, I had developed a really strict bedtime. I was in bed at 10 p.m. and I was waking up at 6 a.m. every morning. And, you know, I would I would sit there, I'd have a very quick breakfast, and then I would write for several hours. And that's just an example about it, you know. The challenge of seminary is that it is a graduate school and that we're challenged to do our best work. And it, and it can be a lot of work. And then maybe the other things that I'll, that I'll say is that, and this might be a little heavy, but I guess there can be maybe almost a loneliness that can develop from being, as I kind of jokingly call it, a professional Christian. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, sometimes it feels like I'm trained to troubleshoot. You know, I might, maybe I walk into a community or maybe I'm reading a book or something and I start noticing all these problems that exist. And the, for me, the antidote is to remember that these problems, you know, kind of air quotes, um, but these problems are exactly why I'm a Christian. It's exactly why we're the, we're the church. 
you know, we're part of the church to draw closer to Christ in our wounds, you know, not, not just to be this amazing place, this great social club where everything is peaceful all the time. If that was the case, then we don't need to come to church. We can go somewhere else. You know, uh, for me, at least being a seminarian meant that I got to see some of the darker sides of church life. And I think we see this in any aspect of service, right? Maybe we see people mishandle a situation. We see people disrespecting others. And at least for me, those were the moments where I felt the most tested because I think it helped me realize how much I had idolized the church and turned it into this kind of just false object, this place that's just going to make me feel good about myself. And sometimes, yeah, the Lord will strengthen us, but at other times the Lord will really challenge us and help point to those things that are, that are dark and, and, and broken within us and say, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to heal. And for me, at least, that was probably one of the bigger challenges of seminary. Yeah, you're absolutely right in that the church is not a perfect place. And by going through seminary, if you were you were exposed to um, or you encountered a lot more of those scenarios. And I think that as servants, you know, even if we don't go to seminary, we as we begin to serve, whether it's in Sunday school, cleaning the church, you know, or anything in between, there are going to be times where some of these issues within the church get revealed to us. And it reminds me of, you know, this idea that the church is imperfect, but Christ is always renewing and cleansing the church the same way he he does for us as individuals. As St. Paul writes, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish in Ephesians 5. Um, And it's really beautiful verse in that Again, as servants, we are not called to reform or, or to fix things. Of course, if, if we're faced with a problem, we, we should be faithful in, in trying to come to a solution. But we're not here trying to do this huge reform of the church, but rather to understand we're coming as broken people, but we are still able to serve through the, the power of Christ that is in us. Yeah, that reminds me, you know, I had mentioned uh, this, you know, reading from Corinthians in prison. And this, I, it's just such a vivid memory that I have sitting in prison. And, and in 1 Corinthians 6, you know, St. Paul talks about, he says, such were some of you. After he gives this long list of the Corinthians, he reminds them of their past. And he says, and such were some of you. So this is in verse 11, where he says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, by the spirit of our God. And, um, that verse sounds so nice. It reminds us of baptism. Okay, but if we're washed, that means we had to be washed because of something. We were washed because we were dirty. You know, we were sanctified because we were not holy. We were justified because we were, you know, we, we were sinners. And so there's this aspect of, we can't ignore that. We can't just say, oh, I'm, I'm this always been this saint. No, like we're saints because we struggle. You know, like you said, he 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 takes that, sinful sinful person and he makes us clean and he does that and i really love the way that you framed that for me actually you know on a personal individual level but then also at that corporate level thanks for sharing the insight from first corinthians as well uh, saint paul definitely has a lot to write about about service and about the church so what can someone who's attended seminary actually bring back with them to the service that's a really good question maybe and there's a couple of things that I'm thinking of. I think the first is almost a, a little bit of a technical response, which is that I do actually feel like I have a familiarity with scripture, with the church fathers. So I can actually respond to people whenever they're 
whenever they're asking questions. Um, there's a kind of confidence that does come with that. Um, and again, it's not because I know every answer, I know every story, but it's just I'm more familiar with the arc of the biblical story. I know how to access some of those resources. The other thing is almost this, for lack of a better term, it's a mentality that I have now, which is respond, don't react. Um, I don't necessarily feel pressured to respond to every question, to every issue that emerges immediately as they come. Uh, maybe one way to say this is seminary has changed my pacing. So for example, you know, research can drive better decision-making in the service. You know, we can, and this is a practice that many people do. We can read books, we can ask others, we can say, hey, how do you respond to this situation? You know, and then at the same time, we can also go back to the, to the church fathers. Um, so we can say, what does St. Basil say about social justice? We can even look at modern church leaders. You know, I really like this Canadian theologian. His name is James K.A. Smith. He's got a lot of really interesting books. And I could go on some really interesting tangents about that, which I won't. You know, it's this, this idea of respond, don't react. Don't just kind of instinctively look at whatever is coming at me and say, I have to do something right now. No, I'll take some time. Um, and then the last thing which we've touched on here and there is this inner prayer life that gets built up. Um, you know, whenever I'm challenged, I can take a deep breath. I can say, Lord, have mercy and just remind myself, okay, respond, don't react. You know, in, in seminary, it's about building good habits. I think one of my best memories is in my second year, my friend Antoine, um, we would pray every day after lunch and dinner, you know, so after lunch, we would pray an Eastern Orthodox service called an Akathist. To, to the mother of God. And then every day after dinner, we would pray the 11th and 12th hours um, from the Coptic, you know, book of the hours. And it was just this beautiful friendship that, that we began and, and formed and, and have continued, even though we don't necessarily pray together. You know, he lives in Texas. I live in New York. But it's, it's about kind of establishing that rhythm of life so that whenever the waves come, whenever the challenges come, I have something to stand on. And, and that, that something is actually a person. It's, it's Christ himself. That's really beautiful. It seems that there's so much that someone who attends seminary can bring back with them to the service and also to their their own spiritual lives as an individual. And I'd like to close out today by asking, how can someone who's interested in seminary get started, especially if they have other obligations in their life? It's a really great question. So I think in my head, the best way to do that is first, basically, if you can test out a seminary course. Um, and that might be at a local seminary or maybe a school of divinity. You know, so for example, I'm from Pittsburgh. So there's a school very creatively called Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. But what's really cool about them is they have an Eastern Christian focus or they have an Eastern Christian track. So you could take classes there. Maybe if you're in the tri-state area here, if you can't make it out to Fordham or to St. Vlad's to take out a class, you could, you could reach out to Father Athanasius Farag um, in East Rutherford. And he does an evening seminary for anyone who's interested, and I know that he's actually had non-Coptic students attend before as well. Um, if you're an undergrad, for example, you might be able to take some religious studies courses like I was able to. And I even remember that we had students who cross-registered and they would take classes at Pitt because maybe their own university didn't have that. Um, another thing to think about, I think, and this might sound a little strange, but if you've committed to the idea of going to seminary, my advice would be to try and knock out what I would say is the most time-intensive and laborious skill, which would be languages. Um, and this is going to grant you access to kind of upper-level courses at a little bit of a quicker pace. 
Um, so, you know, like if you're an undergrad um, or younger, I would say try to learn, you know, Latin or Greek. Um, you could major or minor in, in classics. That's something I wish I did, for example. Um, but even if you can't access ancient languages, whether it's Coptic or Greek or, you know, Giz, that's okay. Um, if you could access something like French or German, that would be really helpful. Let's say you're interested in studying patristics. All of the, the critical sources, so the critical texts of, of the patristic fathers, are going to be in what's called the source chrétienne, which is a side-by-side -side of Greek and French. If you're really interested in Coptic studies, learning German would be really helpful. There's a lot of really fascinating uh, German studies. Um, but at the same time, if you don't have any of those things, that's okay too. You know, you can start reading books and listening to podcasts. That's what I did. Um, and if somebody wanted some resources to get started on that, um, maybe you and I can send out in the show notes or something, uh, like some, some book recommendations. But even a podcast recommendation that I really like is something called The Bible Project. Um, they make a lot of animated videos on, on YouTube. They also have a podcast where they talk about the process and the ideas that are going into those videos. And in the podcast, they actually list out several uh, book, book recommendations and a pretty really well-researched bibliography. Thank you for those recommendations. I will definitely link the podcast as well as any other book recommendations you have in the show notes. Um, and thank you also for just talking about some of the practical steps um, that you know, and anyone who is interested can take because it does seem somewhat daunting, this idea of seminary, you know, go going to complete a graduate degree, you know, while maybe having other obligations, but you approached it as someone, for someone to just to get started makes it seem a lot less daunting. Yeah, I think that there's this idea sometimes that it's this distant land. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, for sure. Because as you talked about throughout the podcast, you felt that there was the, the connection, you know, between your experience at seminary to your local parish, and you still feel that connection. Yeah, just in the same way as on campus, we pray together, you know, we play together. Um, you know, the same thing happens at church, um, especially when I was doing my internship. But even now, out of seminary, I can really see how it's changed my approach to liturgy and how I pray and how I relate to other people and how I'm able to connect with other people. I'm really grateful for that. And I find that other people are still, you know, they'll say something. This is someone who's never gone to seminary. They'll say something and it'll suddenly make me think, wow, this thing that I learned in seminary, maybe I actually totally misunderstood it. Maybe there's a different way to think about it. So the journey of learning for you is still ongoing, even though you've completed your degree. Yeah, it, it really never stops. Amen to that. And that's what service is all about. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the podcast. It was great getting to talk to you and learning about your journey in seminary, as well as how it's transformed your life and your service. Thanks, Karen. I had a really great time. May God reward your service. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Service and Practice. See you next time. <laughs>